Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast where we talk all things NCAA basketball and especially games from the weekend with you. Mike Randall here with my partner, Gus Kearns. Gus, another great weekend. A lot of stuff to talk about on the court, off the court, all over the place. College basketball in full swing. Man, there's almost too many things to cover in this particular podcast, but we just want to thank the listeners out there. Thank you for carving out and tuning in, uh, carving out some time, tuning in. You could have been anywhere else in the dial, but you're here with us, so we really appreciate that. So thank you. We appreciate it. And Gus, well done as always. I was away last week, a little work conference I had to go to. So Gus gave you back-to-back and a belly-to-belly podcast, dominated both of them as only he can do, mid-major and all the other stuff that went on. So Gus, great job there with the two podcasts in a row. I'm going to say, listeners, thank you for putting up with me with two straight podcasts. Mike, we're so glad you're back. I think I'm speaking for all the listeners out there. Refreshed and replenished and ready to yet again predict Kansas wrong, but we'll get into that a little bit later. (laughs) Uh, all right, so. Gus, so let's get the serious stuff out of the way first. So you yeah. talked about this on your last podcast. Well done across the board. You and I are going to be in lockstep here, but we'll give a quick mm. little summary to the, to the listeners. Mm-hmm. So Larry Nasser, of course, this horrific doctor convicted from molesting hundreds of girls with the U.S. Olympic team, also treated the Michigan State athletes evidently for 19 years, and there were reports about him back then. Terrible story. Prayers and thoughts with all the people who have been victims, who've been affected by this. We certainly pray for you and hope that you work through this, that this monster is now behind bars. We're going to address what came from this Outside the Lines report on ESPN by Paul Levine through the eyes of the basketball prism. Now, of course, Gus, what she talked about in her report was that there seems to be a pattern of sexual assaults, violence against women, against college students on the Michigan State campus for both the football team and the basketball team. Football Mm -hmm. team with Mike D'Antonio since 2007. The report is that there's been 16 Michigan State football players that have been abused, uh, accused of this assault Mm -hmm. or violence against women. That is horrific. That's catastrophic. We will focus on the basketball program, which Gus really focuses around three incidents, right? Mm -hmm. Two two involving former player and then coach Travis Walton and one involving Adrian Payne and Keith Appling. All right. The Walton ones. Very quickly, he was a coach. He he was a captain of the team the year before, became a coach, very successful Michigan State team, went to a bar, bumped into a girl, evidently started talking to her. She told him the way he they exchanged words. She said something. He smacked her twice. From that incident, there were charges that were brought against him, yet despite that, he was allowed to stay with the team and travel with the team while that case was pending. That's Mm. the first mark. It does end up getting reduced. The the charges are dropped and there's a littering charge that he pled guilty to. The prosecutor said when he conducted the investigation, the accounts of what happened in the bar differed. But there was enough evidence in order for the police to charge Walton and he still traveled with the team. Then later on with Walton, and then you'll get your reaction on Walton before we go to the other one. Right. There was a report from a former former late, a woman at Michigan State that she was sexually assaulted by Walton and two of the basketball players that he was supposedly the coach of. So many layers to this. And that no action was taken. She did not go to the police, but it did come out. 
when she was talking to, I believe, a counselor in the school and nothing really came from that. So that's the two issues after that whole investigation. I think it was referred to Title IX after a while. This is where the story gets odd. Was Walton fired or did he leave to go play in Europe? That's the that's the fishy part that uh, Izzo kind of danced around today during his press conference, right? Yeah, and that's the thing with, with Izzo, man, is whenever litigation gets involved, I'm in a political job myself. Whenever litigation gets involved, everything shuts down. Yep. You, they will not verify that the sky is blue at that point because everyone's on guard. But the question remains, what happened with Walton? And it sounds like, Gus, what basically happened was, oh, he got arrested, but let's see how it plays out. And when the charges got dropped, he stayed on the team. And then when the second incident came out, it sounds like he was let go. What do you think? Yeah, it sounded like he was more shooed away than let go. Yes. Like, you're not welcome here. We're not going to, like, fire you and make a big deal out of it. Why don't we put this veil over it of you going to play in Europe? I mean, there's multiple ways you can go with this. But the two things that popped into my mind right away were, number one, just the climate, the change in climate of just from five years ago when or, or, you know, six years ago when this when these incidents took place to now. The change in climate is unbelievably dramatic. We are living in a climate that is much more aware, uh, much more empowered and thankfully so on both fronts, right? So you fast forward and put this same incident into last week, this thing is all over the place. Well said, yes. For multiple reasons. Phone, everybody has a camera, everybody has a video, or everybody's documenting everything. Like everybody has a blog, everybody is tweeting something, everybody has access to reporting what is around them. That's that that climate is much different from just a couple of years ago. So the the fact that they were able to sweep this under the rug, that climate doesn't exist anymore. Right. So once once the things got uncovered, then it started getting really ugly. Yeah, and that's the th- the biggest difference I took away from this man is years ago, and this was 2010. So we're talking roughly eight years ago. Okay. Right. It was innocent until proven guilty, but now because so many things have occurred, and so often just because someone please something out doesn't mean it didn't happen. So in retrospect, what I think should have happened, assuming what we're reading here is obviously the way it happened, he's got to be suspended until the case is finished. He cannot travel with the team. He cannot go to the final four. It can't be, well, the judge said it was okay for him to travel. No, the personal school code of conduct has to kick in. And that, I think, was the first misstep by Izzo in the basketball program. Because, mm-hmm. fine, are you going to fire him if there are no charges? Maybe, maybe not. But what you can say is you're suspended with pay until this is finished. And right. that's where I think that they, they made the misstep on that one. And and look at look, – just you know, fast forward. I know we're dealing with a different set of problems, but I'll, I'll try to parallel as best I can without being like too insensitive on this. Look at the assistant coaches from the FBI investigation and look at the players. Like all of them, like yes. they were shut down, they right. either fired, uh, uh, leave without pay, leave with pay. Like all of that was was taken care of really quickly. Like and that should have been yes. the – yes. Yeah, that should have been the path well for this said. particular case as well. Well said. So that's the case he's gone. Now, the other I- incident that occurs is that Appling 
and Adrian Payne as they right. were incoming freshmen in August. It all happened, Gus, in the same year. The Walton issue occurred at the bar. A mm-hmm. month later, there was this report. Then here comes Appling and Payne. They meet a young lady, orientation. They go back to the room. Some things occur. And evidently, the next day, she went to the police, the campus police, reporting that this was an assault and that mm-hmm. she felt like she couldn't leave. They actually have a video, which I have not seen, interviewing Payne, where Payne yeah. seemed very apologetic and said, you know, she, I, I could, he said something like, I can see how she would have wanted to leave, but we don't think she did. He wanted to apologize, all this stuff. There was a lot of press that went on when this occurred. Uh-huh. But in the end, there were no charges filed. This was before right. the season, right? It's August. Because they just felt that there wasn't enough evidence that an assault occurred. Something along those lines or that the prosecutor said to the young lady, we don't think you will hold up. And they don't think they have a case. It was more along those lines where they yeah. didn't think that she was tough enough to stand up yes, to what she yes. was going to face moving forward. But now here's the problem, okay, with this. Something happened there. And at the time, again, like you just said, which was perfect, the – the, the situation, the, the the environment was well. They no charges, so they're fine. It's not the case anymore. And they yeah, played they every. Felt like they, could, they felt like they could dust their hands with it. And they played every single game that year as a freshman. And listen, Payne went on to do some really special things with this eight-year-old girl who had cancer as part of their Elite Eight run, uh, something mm-hmm. like that. And and he was there for her and got to know you know and did some nice things there. Okay, however. There's no penalty from this. And as you just said, if this incident happens right now, they're suspended until further notice. And then they may even be suspended regardless of whether charges are are brought because of the code of conduct. And that's the link that hasn't existed then. And so Izzo is now shutting down and not answering questions. And it's just a whole mess with Michigan State. There's a number of different directions you can go here. We can can point the finger at Izzo. We can point the finger at, at the Michigan State. Uh, president, we can point the, the finger at the Michigan State AD. We can point the finger at uh, you know the legal system that supposedly, supposedly quote unquote, took care of this. Um, you know where else we can point the finger to is in Mark Emmer. At some point, like you know, you and I have been calling for like, oh, they should really align all of these rules for like draft or when the start of the season is. You know where they should really align the rules for for sh- stuff like this. Yes, agreed. Yes, yeah. and I can't believe I'm bringing this up as a parallel to this as well. But isn't it crazy? Isn't it nuts? It is baffling that now the Louisville situation with, with the prostitutes on campus, that doesn't oh, seem not, this harmful. Yeah, it's so true. It's How crazy is that? This is so ugly and so infuriating that that incident like pales in comparison. Yes, yeah, very true. And, and that's that's well said, man. That's the biggest change. Folks, when these stories come out, very rarely is it not true. I mean, that's it's sad. It's sad. It's horrific. It's terrible. But very rarely do you have people who are falsely accused. The large majority of this case is something goes on. Now, there was an incident earlier this year with the Oklahoma football player who evidently had sexual relations with a girl on campus and the girl accused him of sexual assault. He was suspended immediately. And then as the investigation went forward, they received, they found text messages between that girl and this guy. And she was bragging about their relationship and excited about it moving forward. And it was by preponderance of the evidence to the friends, to her, it did not seem that that a sexual assault occurred that night. So this gentleman was not charged. He returned to the team and we moved on. It should be noted that that woman claims that 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 still did occur, but Mm -hmm. you must – once this happens, 
immediately suspend, take care of everything, just focus on the investigation until you have the evidence. And then based off the evidence, even if there is not a charge against the person, you must impose your own school code of conduct. We're learning it with the FBI investigations. We're learning it now with these horrific sexual assault situations. And we learned it with the Louisville situation. That's exactly what needs to happen. That's what wasn't happening. I'm going to stand by uh, what I mentioned on our mid-major podcast and just state that the name Michigan State on the diploma has completely morphed into something that it, it, it no longer is or the, the reputation is no longer the same. And any student, any student on campus, any student athlete, anybody should be able to transfer anywhere they want with zero uh, limitations and zero restrictions because what has happened has made that whole campus completely unsure of itself, unsafe, unstable, and now no longer has the reputation that it once held. Yes, and I do believe that that they will be able to right the ship. I mean, Penn State, of course, if I get applicants from Penn State, I don't think about that scandal, you know, and, right. and eventually in time, things will pass. But right now, it is clear that at Michigan State, there was a lack of control and a lack of protocol that was being followed. And listen, if it, it, let's say, for example, that Travis Walton Gus, I'm just going to say this hypothetically. Let's say okay. that he got into an argument with this woman at the bar. Let's say he didn't hit her or he pushed her or, or whatever. Let's say there's no charges filed. Hey, Travis, you're an assistant coach with Michigan State. You can't be in a bar arguing with a woman. We're going to suspend you for two games because we feel you violate our code of contact. Bang. End of story. Done. Something like that has to happen. Okay. Yep. No charges. They were dropped. You, you got a charge here for, for littering. Okay. Great. But you know what, man? I kind of think that you didn't represent the, the, the university in the best fashion right now. So we're going to impose our own thing on you moving forward. That's what has to happen. That is what's starting to happen. And it's a shame, Gus, that it takes a horrific situation like this to open up the eyes to everybody that needs to happen. I agree. You hate when it just gets so cloudy that you can't see through anything and, and, and you're reaching at, at, at uh, I don't know, solutions or, or possible results and, and, and you're just grabbing at things and, and you yeah. just wish it was more clairvoyant at the, at, you know, at, from jump. Yeah, that's all. The uh, the other situation to talk about really quick, you brought up on your podcast, the Yukon situation. A little bit of a different story. Obviously, we're not talking yeah. about crimes, but we're talking about recruiting violations. Gus, really quick, this has been going on for quite some time. There's a lot of inquiries that have gone on at Yukon. I mean, if we go back, we're, we're talking about 1995, Ricky Moore and Kirk King getting plane tickets, okay, airline tickets. There was violations mm. from that. Then we go back to 2009, the recruiting of Nate Miles with excessive yep. Phone calls and text messages between the coaches and, and Jim Calhoun and the yeah that, that was a, that was along that that Kelvin Sampson type yep. time the, where like people thought they could like get around the text yes. rule or something like that. right former yeah. team manager Josh uh knock knock knockinson who then became an agent so he he knew Calhoun everybody okay so there was issues from that then of course 
now we're de- now we're dealing with a situation where again they're looking into violations. I also think us, if you want me to be really skeptical on this one, Kevin yeah. o- Kevin Ollie in 2014 he wins the national title, has the magic carpet ride. Two years after Calhoun leaves, he gets yep. a five year contract, 2.8 million per year. Gus clearly they're not excited about the season. He has not been doing well. They haven't done well the last two seasons. I think they want him gone. So I yep. think they're overly cooperating with this investigation because they can get out of that contract. He can be fired with cause. So they need to name the cause and certainly recruiting violations would allow them to move on from Ali. So I do believe, Gus, that unfortunately there's a political element to this. But UConn, man, they were the leaders of the Big East. They dominated the Big East, Gus. Now they're in the AAC and they're an also ran. Name another school that's gone from a larger conference to a smaller profile conference and not done well. And just like lost its way. Yeah. And you thought maybe the... I don't know. You think you thought maybe the Shabazz title team would kind of right the ship a little bit, but yep. it, it's gone the complete other way. Uh, here's my two cents on UConn. They haven't had the cleanest record in the past, so you know it wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't that hard to go ahead and dig up some leads on this particular program of what might be shady and, and what's going on because they haven't been clean. Uh, you know, from the get-go, from, you know, you mentioned 20 years ago. So th- th- there's always been a couple of shady things happening up there. Um, how else do you get all those guys to go up there to go play basketball instead of going to, you know, I don't know, someplace else a little bit more appealing uh, visually? No offense to, to Connecticut, to the Connecticut landscape or anything, no, but you know what I'm course, saying? Like, Gus, what, of course. Weather-wise and whatnot. You know? Gus, of course, so, they have they have no professional teams in Connecticut. Okay, we're not. I mean, professional, you know, no NBA teams, no Major League right. Baseball teams, NFL teams. So UConn basketball is where it's at. They went into this conference because of football that didn't work out with Randy Edsel. That's why football wags a dog. And now, Gus, I'm looking at the standings right now in the American, and UConn yeah. is tied with UCF and Memphis. I mean, that is Crazy. not where they wanted to be. And you, you could say the same thing for Memphis too, as far as like how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah you you. You know what? Again, like we, like we, I said before, I think UConn is is thankful for a couple of reasons here. Number one, I think they wouldn't mind getting off the Ollie train, and number two, like they're so glad not to be the lead story uh, this past weekend, so they're happy to be on a Friday news dump along with the gigantic story from Michigan State. All right, Gus. Again, prayers and thoughts with all the victims and their families. We want the process to move forward. We want changes to happen. We want checks and balances and, and schools to be held accountable. A lot, of, a lot of nasty stuff in college basketball this year. But let's get back to the hardwood, get some positive stuff going here and talk about hoops. We're going to look at Saturday's AP Top 25 games. Gus, I think it all has to start with number two, Virginia, yeah. <laughs> winning at number four, Duke, 65-63. I made the wife and family watch this. My three-year-old son was thrilled, let me tell you. Gus, what Tony Bennett is doing for Virginia is absolute basketball brilliance. It's brilliance. He held the highest scoring team in the country. Duke was averaging over 91 points per game to 22 points at the half on their home court. Gus, it should be shown to every high school every high school team in the country what went on. A brilliant performance by what, in my mind, should be the number one team in the country Monday afternoon. It wouldn't be the worst thing. Again, I think we said this with uh when we had uh you know, before they went on their recent slide with West Virginia, you just want that number 
next to Virginia in parentheses on the right hand side, you want the you want there to be a number in that. You want there to be a, a double digit number. You want people to vote for them as a number one team. I'm I'm totally okay with Villanova still being uh, the number one ranked team. They didn't drop a game. Uh, you shouldn't be penalized for uh, having an injury and, and playing a close game against a a great Marquette team. But I'm with you. I don't think it's crazy that you could you could argue that UVA should be the number one ranked team in the nation. They won Gus for the first time in 23 years at Cameron. That's 1995. They Duke, like I said, was number one high scores highest scoring team. I'm sitting there, Gus, and their man to man offense, Virginia, is ripping apart Duke. It's ripping apart. They're freshmen. Yeah. They're getting lost on the screens. They do so. Gr- the detail that that Tony Bennett has is incredible. They open up the right way. They pump fake when they should. They make all their free throws. I'm sitting there saying Shashevsky got to switch to his own. He did. They went from down 13, Duke to up four. But do you think a zone defense is going to fool a Tony Bennett coach team for long? He, he is not. <laughs> the Kermit the Frog, uh, you know, gif that you yeah, put out there uh, with other coaches like seeing yeah. the zone. He was just like, okay, we'll adjust to this. Let's just draw it up on the, on the board. Here and, we go. And, and Gus, we can go through a few stats quick. The absolute dagger, which John Gassaway called the, the Farouk Manesh. Okay. The, uh, I thought, I thought, I thought, uh, I thought uh, John Gassaway had graduated to the um, – The Sorrentine. Uh, the Sorrentine. He went to the Farouk. Was it the? I think it was the Farouk Manish. Okay. Ty, okay. Very, very, Ty, Jer- Ty Jerome. They're up mm. to Virginia with about forty seconds left. They're playing zone, right? Okay. Ty Jerome comes down and he took Trayvon Duval and just put him on the end of a yo-yo. He just dribbled for a couple seconds. Duval's all excited, right? Like when I used to play defense in my headgear, all excited. I'm gonna get a stop at home. All Jerome did, Gus, top of the keys. He ball faked to the left. He just ball yep. faked. Duval jumped about 35 feet to the left. He bangs a three from the top of the key. They go up five. Ball game over. Over. Man, I gotta tell you, the, the most impressive thing about this whole entire win is that they did this with minimal impact from Wilkins. Yep. Yeah. Wilkins, you can argue, is in the small conversation for defensive player of the year in the nation, wow. not just in the conference, in the nation. Wow. And they he played 14 minutes. And did nothing offensively. Like, you expect him to pitch in with a couple of points here. And if he doesn't pitch in with a couple of points, you expect him to, like, D up and man up and, and take somebody, the, the best wing on the opposing team, right? 14 minutes, zero points. So they had zero impact from Wilkins and still got this win on the road. Gus, DeAndre Hunter's the real deal off the bench. He played uh, phenomenal defense, a couple charges. You know, I wonder if, you know, Tony Bennett, obviously, Virginia has certain academic standards, maybe not as much latitude as other schools. But I wonder, Gus, if Tony Bennett, a good friend of mine, uh, John, who listens to the podcast all the time, said to me today, he wonders if Tony Bennett wants, doesn't want one and dones because he wants people to be indoctrinated into the system. If that is true, which may be the case, you know, he wants people who understand his system who are going to be there for a while. What right. he's doing with De- DeAndre Hunter is even more incredible as a freshman. He is playing great defense. He gave him 12 points, rebounds the ball, assists. This was an unbelievable performance. Gus, Virginia was 77.8%, 79 from the, 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 um, from the free throw line. They were not even. They didn't even shoot great from three point range. Only twenty seven point three percent, which is not Virginia like, by the way. So if they shoot well, I think they win in a blowout. And on the Duke side, man, forty four of Duke's sixty three points come from Bagley and Carter, and they shut down the rest. Three total three pointers, Gus, from Grayson Allen, Trayvon Duval, and Gary Trent. 
one of eight. Do you think this is what stood out to me on the defensive game plan here, right? And I, I this I hearken back to the conversation that we had with um, Eric Fawcett during the preseason and when we were talking a little Florida and how he was stating how Coach White which makes perfect sense now if you think of the lineage of coaching here, right? We're thinking Coach White allows the other team's big to kind of get his, right? And then just defends the heck out of the perimeter. If you go back to that Gonzaga game, that was like Jonathan Williams' career-defining game. He went for like 39 points in that game. But then Florida was able to defend the perimeter of Perkins and and, and Melson and, and the rest. And you felt like that's the exact same thing that, that UVA did here. They allowed Carter and Bagley to go for theirs and get theirs inside. But on the perimeter, they were lethal. They were so stifling on the perimeter uh, with Allen and Duvall and Trent. Like that, it, it, that, that's, what it, that's what stood out to me. It seemed like they just copied or they used the exact same blueprint that we discussed with, uh, you know, with Eric earlier in the season when we were talking some Florida. A couple quick things, then we'll move on. Just, yeah. th- just things to talk about, Gus. The double team, he would double team Bagley and Carter. He would. Mm-hmm. What's amazing is with the three-point shooting of Duke and the head coach, the leadership of Shevsky. Gus, they never took advantage of it once. I didn't right. see one diagonal opposite pass from Bagley or Carter for an open three. It never happened. Their recovery was brilliant. And oh, by the way, how many points off Duke's bench? Zero. Zero. How many minutes played? Six. You're telling me that's not going to be a problem? You're darn right it's going to be a problem. Unbelievable win for UVA. Duke's next three games, they do host ND. Then they got three road games, man, at St. John's, at UNC, at Georgia Tech. Virginia gets to host Louisville before traveling to Syracuse. Maybe a little payback for the Elite Eight game a few years ago. Maybe. And at Florida State. What a job, huh? Man. Uh, so just to, yeah, just to speak on the, on the double team, you know what Carter and uh, Bagley reminded me of? It reminded me of like that, that, that quarterback that you, you would put in, right? And he can only go to his first mm-hmm. uh, progression. Well done. Yes. Right? Very good. And he can't get to that third progression. Well done. And then, boom, it's a sack. Like So once they didn't see that, that's why they didn't do that skip pass. As freshmen, Like they, they were just looking for that first initial like get-out pass, that, that release pass. And they didn't have that. That's a, That totally reminded me of, too. Um, and then just to speak on those games a tiny bit, that, that, that UNC game has a lot of juice now, doesn't it? Both of those teams are kind of Struggle, desperate yes, now, right? Yes, yeah. really true. Great game, but that was just not the the first uh, on the list of great games. Yeah, but and amazing, Gus. If gambling were legal, I don't understand this. So basically, we basically could have gotten points in a Tony Bennett team against a bunch of freshmen with no depth on their bench in Duke. I mean, it seems so easy in retrospect. I get it. It's Duke. I understand that. But if, you th- if we thought this one through, it's a bunch of freshmen in a big game against a Tony Bennett defensive team. You know they can't play defense, Duke, right? Because they can't get in foul trouble. So you know Virginia's going to get whatever they want to get on offense all day. It just didn't make a lot of sense. Anyway, moving on. Speaking of gambling, uh, yet, <laughs> yet again, Gus, I, I managed to lose a bet either for or against Kansas. Thank you for the 10.5 point spread. I thought Texas A&M would keep it close because, Gus, Kansas has never blown anybody out this year, have they? Especially at home, they've struggled. But sure enough, Kansas pulls out the 11-point win on the 10.5 point spread. <laughs> 79-68. they blitzed the Aggies from start to finish. They were up as much as 17. They cruised to victory. Yeah. Texas A&M, I don't know what you think. I responded something on Twitter. They may be the most disappointing team in college basketball this season. They were predicted third in the SEC. Now they're just two and six in conference. They're tied for last place. 13-8 overall. 
Svi Mihailik from three, Malik Newman scoring again, Kansas up big. Of course, they don't just blow it out. They keep me interested, right? But again, I like Kansas State plus two tomorrow. We'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Kansas keeps rolling. Texas A&M is terrible. What are your thoughts? All right. <laughs> so let's say, well, I'll attack Kansas first, if that's okay. Really surprised that they won by double digits with getting uh, next to nothing from Graham. I thought that he might actually have a big game here, uh, but he was two for t- two for eleven from the field. Oh, here uh, we so go. Kind of Where's the Devontae Graham tree? Here we go. There it is. He's a very a re- solid college player. He's just not a first-team All-American, guys. That's all. Right, right. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Um, but so, and then just my one Texas A&M, A&M take, and we've kind of harped on this a little bit, but this is this. I feel like this game was the perfect example of it. And if you were just going to take a snapshot of why A&M is is really running into a whole bunch of problems this year. This is it right here, this game. They have Hogue, Williams, Davis. They finally have all three of them in the starting lineup, right? But then the inconsistency in the backcourt continues. You thought that with like uh, Wilson and Caldwell, uh, they'd have a little bit more consistency. Both of those guys have been either injured slash suspended. So now you have Starks and Gilder. Gilder's also been out a ton. So you have all of these moving parts in and out of the starting lineup constantly. That inconsistency speaks to Texas A&M's inconsistency on record. If you don't have quality guard play, you cannot win big-time games. and You cannot be a big-time team, even if you have NBA bigs in your front court. Yeah, Robert Williams for an All-American. That was a brilliant pick by me. Moving on to our next game. This was a bizarre, bizarre game. Kentucky gets a massive win at West Virginia, 83-76. Very hard to figure out. I'm curious for your thoughts. West Virginia is destroying them in the first half. Tearing them apart. Tearing them apart. They're on fire. It's 43 minutes left in the first half. Then Cal comes up with the win one for the Gipper speech. And all of a sudden, we're pounding rebounds. My guy, Jared Vanderbilt, 11 rebounds in 11 minutes. Okay? He, he played He played great. Uh, Kevin Knox becomes Larry Bird. And West Virginia goes to this, we can't score for 10 to 15 minutes. Kentucky, huge win on the road, 83-76. So here's here's the two takeaways here. Number one, as great as you are defensively, i.e. West Virginia, i.e. Virginia that we just talked about, uh, let's throw Texas Tech into that into that conversation as well. Okay, as great as you are defensively, if you are limited offensively, it's gonna come back to bite you. Like you could see this happening to this West Virginia team in the second round. Or even in the first round, like it did against Stephen F. Austin. Like, the script for this team has not really changed that much. And it just happened again. Now, as great as they are defensively, and they are superior defensively, they are limited offensively. When you're relying on Carter to be your go-to guy, and you have him matched up against a similar athlete in in, in Gildersh Alexander, or, or maybe a longer athlete that's going to give him some issues, then, uh-oh, you're relying on putbacks from Kanate. And I thought, like... As soon as he got that that third foul, the game totally changed. If you know, it was like it was right around that yep. that that time where yep. he stood at like half court and did that like weird reflection yeah, thing. Punching though, yeah, it's very odd. Yeah, I don't know what he I mean, <laughs> firing himself up. I have no idea. Yeah. But as soon as he left, that's where the game tilted. Then we talked about one of the limiters with Kentucky was who's going to be their dude, who's going to be their stud, who's going to be their guy. 
All right, Kevin Knox, congratulations. You filled that role in this game. If he can play that way, obviously, and then have some complimentary pieces around him, no, they're final that don't even they're need final to 14. go off. No, they're Final 14. If he plays, yeah. he plays Final 14. Yes, right. no doubt, 100%. 100%. What they needed is somebody to step up and be the stud, and guess what? When somebody steps up and be, be, is the stud, they're really good. Man, if I told you before this game started that West Virginia would have a 16 uh, – Kentucky would, would turn over 16 times and West Virginia only six. So West Virginia would have Toast. a 16 to 6 turnover ratio. Toast. A- and that West Virginia would shoot 10 to 24 from the three-point line, make 10 three-pointers. You would think they'd be toasted. But why exactly. weren't they toasted? They pounded the boards. They out-rebounded them. And they shot 23 of 29 Kentucky from the free-throw stripe. I tell you what, really impressive win from Kentucky – Shows how great of a coach Cal is to gather this win on the road and to do it being down huge at halftime and coming back and rallying. Usually when that's the case, the home, you know, if the home team's down and they, you know, can do a rah-rah speech like you said. But on the road, sometimes that's really tough. Really impressed with Kentucky here. North Carolina State in overtime comes back and defeats North Carolina 95-91. I think North Carolina fans should officially be concerned about whether they have the horses to make the Final Four after this game. This was a close one throughout. It's a game that had a big spread. People thought North Carolina was going to roll. Luke May did everything he could, 31. Theo Pinson, 22. Joel Berry's allowed to have a bad game every once in a while. He's normally fantastic. Only six points. But the Tar Heels continue to struggle from three-point range. You saw that in the big loss to Virginia. They don't Mm -hmm. hit the three consistently. They were only four of 19. NC State was on fire, 15 of 30. UNC only 11 of 20 from the free throw line. That's a problem. They're only 88th in the country in free throw percentage. So it's not just this one game. Tar Heels rebound. That should have been enough. But the three-point is the great equalizer. Huge win for NC State. Gus, is Kevin Keats going to get the Wolf Pack to the NCAA tournament? Great question. I'll start there and then work back to the game. Yes, he is. I agree. He is. With these three quality wins over Duke, UNC, and then throwing the Clemson win, which is now you know, a, a good win. Well, on normal years, it would not be. But if you, you're getting a win against a ranked Clemson team in conference, kudos, cheers. Here's the, here's the dilemma. They, UNC got bit by their own bugaboo. Yurtsen absolutely went off and normally unc has a big to battle the other team's quality big he goes off and has a great game uh shoots really efficiently from the floor and plays 37 minutes double double yeah yeah and and usually unc has a big to battle the other team's big so that usually that's nullified and when you're not and if you don't have that quality big to to battle down low to at least even the scales a little bit, then you have to make it up somewhere else. And if you don't make it up from the three uh, from the three point line, then you have to make it up with your stud. And your stud, Joel Berry, did not have a great game. So I, I, I think like it's a you know familiar script of like how to lose a close game. Your stud doesn't have a great game. You get dominated on the boards, and uh, you know you have some veterans like you know Dorn and, and Freeman like play really great and really efficiently and are not scared of that environment. I think the definition of efficient for Freeman coming off the bench for NC State would be 7 of 7 from three-point range. I guess that can't be much more efficient than that. 20, that, 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 that transfer seemed to work out, didn't it? Twenty nine, Yeah, 29 points. NC State next few games, Gus. They host ND. They're at Vodtech. They get UNC again really quick. UNC yep. before uh, before that game against North Carolina State, they have to go at Clemson, they host Pitt, and then they have Duke. So they're going to have Duke three games in there before they yep. have to play NC State on the road. But a huge, huge win for them. Next one, probably the highlight game besides Duke and Virginia, man. 
Oklahoma plays Alabama. Trey Young comes in, number 12 rank Oklahoma Sooners. They fall to the Crimson, 80 to 73. Colin Sexton seemed to be healthy for the first time in a few weeks here. He, he, let he Al- looked right, didn't he? He, he looked right. He looked right. He let, he let Alabama with 18 points, but the biggest difference, man, is he was a monster on Trey Young. As yeah. soon as Trey Young gave that ball up, Sexton was face guarding him at half court. He would made him work like I've never seen an individual defender make him work. Sexton must have been thinking about, of course, the the who's a better player, and of course about the NBA draft. It was crystal clear watching the game. Avery Johnson had a great game plan. Huge win for the NCAA tournament for Alabama, eighty to seventy three. Did you see the number of NBA scouts that were in the building for this game? Oh yeah. Oh baby, I did. (laughs) I, I think I think that, that like you said, that might have had a little something to do with uh, uh, Sexton's defensive yep. intensity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, I think Alabama watch tape was really well coached by Avery Johnson, and they hit on something here when you're if you're going to try to defend Trey Young efficiently. Like yeah, Trey Young's gonna have the ball in his hands all the time, but on that initial give up on that handoff or that first pass, yep. if you make it hard for Trey Young to get the ball back on the second touch. That's where you can have success. And really, that's effort. So you saw Sexton really effort on the defensive end here to make that second touch for Young really difficult. And he put Young in some uncomfortable positions. And Young had trouble finding comfort in those uncomfortable positions that, that Sexton was putting in. And, and I think this speaks to two. Like, if you're going to have an, a better – not that Trey Young's a poor athlete, right? But if you have a, a step-up athlete that might be a little bit longer – i.e. Sexton, on him, then that might cause some issues too. That's really engaged defensively like Sexton was, uh, then that's an issue too. So I think they watched some tape, were really well coached, and executed the game plan. So it's a lot of ifs that you have to do there, but you know what? Kudos to Alabama because they actually did all three of those steps. Alabama is very dangerous. Dante Hall inside, certainly a guy everybody loves. Plays hard is certainly a presence. He's coming back from the injury. He had th- mm-hmm. some of his wrist. I think he had a pin insert in his wrist. He he he's important. He's he's their big that they need to they need to rotate around. Yeah. Braxton Key, Sexton, Petty, Ingram, great starting five there. They got freshman Herbert Jones played 31 minutes in this game, scored 14 points. Giddens gave him 17. They have depth. They have Avery Johnson's kid. This is a very very dangerous tournament team and a huge win for Alabama here. This is going to really lock them up for I think a quality seed. Uh, uh, schedule coming up for them is interesting. Alabama home Missouri Gus at Florida at Mississippi State and that's mm-hmm. before a very tough end of schedule for Alabama. Kentucky yeah. once on the road at yep. Auburn, Tennessee at home, and mm-hmm. Florida again. So Florida so- twice, Kentucky on the road, Auburn on the road, and Tennessee. Tough run there for Alabama. That's why this game was huge for Alabama. That if, if they don't get this game, then you're looking at that schedule moving forward and you're looking at all of those games being like, oh, that's going to be tough. That's a tough one. Like there's no games on that. I mean, besides the Missouri, but even that's like fishy. Like there's no games on there where you're like, oh, we definitely got that one. Like, so this is a really crucial win for Alabama moving forward. Did not have a chance to watch this next game. I had to do a couple things, but I guess we're at the point now where maybe we'll have a weekly Mrs. Randall quick summary on South Carolina. I, I, think, that, I think that's appropriate. Yes. Uh, I, I tried to mention that and say, like, look, I'm not even going to try to bet to, to – uh, you know, outclass or, or outdo yeah, the, the fantastic rundown of the, the Mrs. Mike Randall text review of the game. So here's my notes. I asked her for some notes here. Hold on. Okay. 
Yes. Keenan Evans is really good. Okay. He had 31 points for six from three point range. Yes. Myers gave him nothing. He gave him so much more in the Florida game. Uh, Han, that's correct. He did have 22 points. And in this game, uh, he actually, I think only oh, yeah, like four, something like that. This right. game. Yeah. Myers did not play well in this game whatsoever. Yet only had two points. Uh, the Coatsar injury was a killer. As for my wife there, Coatsar injury certainly was a killer. Yes, it was. He went out for a while. They closed the gap. Sylvan needs some help. Texas Tech looks very good. There you go. There's your summary, Gus, from Mrs. Randall on the South Carolina game. I think, I think we're good. Yeah, I think we got everything we need there. South Carolina, big one over Florida. They, this one hurt a little bit. Uh, they got Mississippi State, Texas A&M at Arkansas. They're squarely on the bubble right now. Texas, yeah. Texas Tech, solid win. They needed this. They're still waiting for Smith to come back. They got Texas at TCU and Iowa State. Uh, it looks like Texas Tech Road might be a little bit easier than South Carolina's moving mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. You'd like to see uh, the freshman, Zaire Smith, get comfortable yeah. into that starting role, kind of like I was talking about on the previous podcast. You know, He came back with a nice game, a little bit more efficient, double digits in the scoring column, uh, and played over 25 minutes in the game total. So he, he, he kind of got his legs under him. I think he'll be fine moving forward because I think he's really gifted athletically and, and plays really hard in that program. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think South Carolina, surprisingly, with all they lost, is squarely on the bubble. They get a couple more of these quality wins moving forward. We'll be talking about them like as one of those last teams in. Coach Beard and the Red Raiders are wearing purple tomorrow night because they are tied with West Virginia and Oklahoma and Kansas State. One game behind Kansas, they want a K-State win tomorrow night so they can bring everybody even big time, right? I'll let you take this next one. You tweeted about it right on the money. San Francisco is an issue. They went into Gonzaga, had a nice fight there, but Gonzaga came away with the win 82-73. to Great tweet from Gus, my partner here. Zags discovering what Nevada knows all too well. USF Don's men's basketball are just not afraid of big ranked programs. Tight contest in the final minutes. However, Gonzaga pulls it out. Yeah, the, the, it, it, you know that this Don's team is looking for that signature win. They all, they you know, they got that signature win against Nevada. Uh, they were looking for one of the. So once they got Nevada, they started getting greedy. Like, all right, let's see if we can get a St. Mary's win. Let's see if we can get a Gonzaga win here. So this game was, you know, a two-point game, three-point game with two minutes to go. Gonzaga pulls away late with some free throws. Um, Rui Hachimura. Just continues to be playing. Oh, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Well. Oh, he's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I know this sounds crazy. I know this sounds nuts, but I, I think we mentioned this on a previous podcast. He, he does things that are Antetokounmpo like. Mm-hmm. Like Very he, true. he's not, yes. he's not as talented or as long. No, I or totally, as I'm with you. I agree with you. Absolutely. But on the college landscape, he does those types of things. Like he'll grab a defensive rebound, bring it up, do a crossover, dribble, and slam on somebody. Like, there's not many 6'8 guys that can do that in the college game. He's one of them. Uh, you know what? One of the reasons that San Fran stayed in the game, Gonzaga continues to struggle defending the three on the perimeter. Um, they uh, San Francisco shot a 50% from deep. That kept them in the game all night. Uh, Gonzaga was less than 50% from deep. Um, you felt like, you know, Melson and, and Perkins uh, need to be a little bit more efficient there. But Bulldogs escape with the win continuing to hold serve until that next St. Mary's game, uh, February 10th, I think that is. You like to see Kespert still get some good quality minutes, and you like to see Tilly continue doing his thing after having a huge game during the week where he had a career high of 27. So nice win 
for uh, Gonzaga against a very, very competitive, live, unafraid San Fran team. Agreed. Agree with everything you just said. San, Fran- San Francisco is very underrated. Gonzaga gets a win home, pulls, pulls away. They got some three-point issues there, but Mark Few is Mark Few. I'm sure he'll get it taken care of. LSU 70, Auburn 105 million. Uh <laughs> Auburn is just on fire. You can make a strong case, partner, that Auburn should be in that taking care of business group. They're 19-2 and overall. They're 7-1 in the SEC. How great does that Alabama win without Colin Sexton over Auburn? Yeah. I mean, that like has Alabama, in my mind, like squarely as like a six-ish seed. I mean, five-ish seed. That was a big win because they've only lost to them. And of course, Gus, who's the only team that beat Auburn this year? Oh, we know it's the Temple Nice call, by the way, in the screen-to-screener lines. Well done. A big win today over UConn. Nailed that one with Temple. You know what? I took a chance. I was like, you know, I really like them. I was like, am I really betting them? Because we have said they're like one of the most erratic teams in in college basketball history. Uh, But yeah, we went with them. Very excited. Uh, Two and one today for the uh, Screen the Screener lines. 66%. Follow them, folks. Follow Gus at CCurrents12 and follow the podcast at SDS Podcast. Gus puts out the hashtag SDS lines. Auburn was up 24 to 6. Never looked back. Mustafa Heron had 21. They held uh, Tremont Waters of LSU just four points on one of seven shooting. He didn't make his first field goal until midway through the second half. This was a destruction. Auburn takes care of business. They're very tough. Looking at their schedule coming up, they're at Old Miss, Vandy, and Texas A&M. Partner, that is not a hard schedule for the Auburn Tigers, who are 19-2. and Okay, how about this? Just a bigger picture for Auburn. You just read down who they're going to play next. Is it crazy that they could be in line for a two-seed? 100%. Is no that doubt. nuts? No doubt. I know I'm getting way ahead of no, myself. And no, no. all Auburn Tiger fans are saying, like, you know, be quiet, Gus. What are you even talking about? No. Why, like, knock on wood or something. But, like, they played so well. They shut down one of the finest guards in the in the country in Waters. You know, Harper doing his thing on defensive end. Love that he shut him down. That's incredible. And then they have kind, not an easy lineup coming. I mean, all of those games are going to be tough. I mean, I mean, Vandy just got to win this weekend over over TCU. Texas A and M is going to you know desperately want to win. Going to Old Miss is nothing nothing easy. But at the same point, like they get those three wins. Holy smokes! Would they for real could be staring like a two or three seed in the face? Do you think? That it's crazy that Auburn should be seated ahead of Duke, which would make them pretty much a two right now in the tournament, when Duke has lost at Boston College, at North Carolina State, and home to UVA, and Auburn's rolling everyone up and down the coast since the Temple game, except for the Alabama. I would put Auburn ahead of Duke right now. They're six and three in the ACC. I don't want to hear about it. They're behind Louisville, who has no coach. I agree with you. I think Auburn would be two seed right now. Yeah, I think if we go blind resume, I I bet we put both of those resumes up there. Well done. Yep. Yeah, I bet I bet you would say, oh yeah, there that I like that resume, and you know who's it's going to be? It's going to be Auburn's. <laughs> I wonder if this next game, Gus. I wonder if Florida. You know, they had the tough loss to South Carolina home, who's on fire from three point range. My wife's favorite player, Myers, was on was hot that game, but. Florida destroys Baylor, 81-60, who cannot beat a ranked team, by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, and by the way, they've played probably 10 ranked teams yeah, this year. Yeah, they really have it. And right. this was a big bounce back. Florida looked fantastic. I wonder if this keeps them in. They were 20. They lost, I understand, to South Carolina, but then they beat a Baylor team pretty solidly. And there's a lot of upset that's gone on here this week. Maybe they stay in. I don't know. But they're getting hot. Uh, Chioza with 20. He's awesome. Kulichev, 16. From three-point range, they were 14 to 25 at home. They usually shoot well, 56%. Of course they were. That's what they do. That's what they do. Hudson, 17 off the bench. Baylor's in trouble. Manu is not Manu. Anything on this game? (laughs) 
<laughs> that, that, that's a good rundown right there. <laughs> I, I was looking forward to the Chioza Manu matchup in this, and Chioza just like absolutely schooled him. And and and, and you know, Kolachev hit threes, and then Kevon Allen hit a couple threes. You know, Keith Stone hit a three. I mean, we, <laughs> I mean, what is going on with the Gators? There, like, I I feel like that that. I feel like that game is a blip on the radar. I feel like they're now going to find their groove. I like this floor. I, I, much like you, you never got off the train. Not getting off. I, I don't know if I was ever on, but I, I am. I am a Gator fan. I like what they try to do. They do do something unique, which is shoot the three really well and put you in uncomfortable situations on the defensive end. So I'm keeping my eye on this on this. Florida Gator team, and, and yeah, why not? Keep them in the rankings. Let's There's hope, been enough uh, volatility in this whole week. Let's hope we're not Thelma and Louise on Florida going right off the side. Two more left on Saturday. Number yeah. t- 22, Tennessee. Man, this one shocked me. Out of all the games, number 22, Tennessee blows out Iowa State in Hilton. 60, I was way off on this game, by the way. Unbelievably off. The nation was. 68-45, and, and I may have put a shekel or two down on it, by the way, and I felt pretty good. It was 12-5 Iowa State. All of a sudden, I come back and they're outscored fifty to twenty-eight. After Tennessee takes the lead, eighteen seventeen, they're outscored fifty twenty-eight. Rest of the way, they right. had b- bench points up the yin yang for Tennessee. Lamonte Turner twenty points, six and nine from three-point range. Senior guard James Daniel sixteen points, three of seven. Iowa State four of seventeen from three-point range at home. Huge win for the SEC, sixty-eight forty-five. Cyclones, not good. I, I really thought that they would show up a little bit stronger in this game, not only because it was a home game, because this could be like one of your defining games. Like, uh, we're going to get a, a win against a ranked team at home and, you know, so on and so on. Man, they looked – I don't know what else – what other term to use. They looked absolutely garbage. They looked terrible. Man. And you know what? Maybe that speaks to how good Tennessee is. We, I, I feel like not even like shorting Tennessee or anything, but Tennessee is really good defensively. Tennessee plays really hard. Uh, obviously, they're unbelievably well coached by Coach Barnes. Maybe, maybe we're just you know constantly underranking Tennessee. If you hold Iowa State to 45 at home in Hilton, that's doing something. Tennessee have rebound, will travel. They're doing very, 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 very well for Rick Barnes. A heck of a job. Last one on Saturday, Rhode Island. A little frisky with Duquesne there at home. Uh, they were, yeah. They were trailing a lot of the game. Duquesne would not go away. They got a big. Rhode Island comes all the way back. And senior Stanford Robinson, three from the corner, right in front of the Rhode Island bench as time expires. They're still undefeated. 9-0 in the A-10, 17-3. Three games clear, Gus, of anyone in the A-10. Right. Close, close game here, though. Duquesne puts up a fight. Hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna not pat myself on the back, but I was like, you know who I had on my team for Gus Scott next two yes, weeks ago, did. right? Yes, I had Stanford Robinson. That's <laughs> very fun. good. Yes, well done. Yes. Game situation. We're not. We're never getting off the court. <laughs> Certainly not. If you need a last second shot, he put that one in, no problem. But huge win. EC Matthews, a bunch of shots. Uh, Terrell was fantastic too. Danny hey. Hurley doing a great job. Got it rolling up there. Okay. I know we don't have the schedules in front of us. You think it's crazy they go undefeated in conference? Oh, well, uh, why don't we pull it up right now and find out here? Here we go. Rhode Island schedule the rest of the way. Gus, you call it. I'll read it. Ready? Okay, here we go. At UMass on Tuesday. (laughs) That's a win. At VCU. Usually tricky this year. Friday night. No, Friday night. No, usually tricky. This you, year, a win. You don't want to go. Okay. I, uh, I know. I know. I, I love the atmosphere there. I understand it's 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 a little crazy, but this year, no. Great fight song. Oh, oh I got a game you're going to lose. I see it right now. Here we go. Home, Davidson. Uh, ooh. Uh, that's, not win. I, that's not the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, home, Richmond. Win. At St. Bonaventure. Oh, really? 
That's it. Is that going to be it? That, I think that's it. Unless you think they lose at LaSalle. But they, no, they're, they're, they're at St. Bonnie's, at LaSalle, home Dayton, home St. Joe's, at Davidson, they could lose also. Yeah, you know what? I, I guess Bonnie's match up with them on the perimeter a little bit. That, that makes sense. You know, with a, a Adams and, and Mobley. Yeah, sure. I could see that. That's the game. Oh, they're or at Davidson. Unless you think Dayton's going to beat them at home. I just think at home they're very tough. No? No, I don't think Dayton's going to beat them. Yeah. I, I, no, no, not at, no, not at your I know. All right. All right. Uh, Gus, a couple games, and then we'll, uh, we'll close up shop here. We'll do your predictions. We'll just do some of the Sunday games. There's a couple games that went on today that we have to talk about. Yeah, I was all, yeah. all over this Villanova-Marquette game. No Phil Booth, right, for Villanova. Villanova goes on the road against Marquette. They had lost there last year. They slid DiVincenzo into the starting lineup. Colin Gillespie right. had 19 yeah. minutes off the bench. You wondered what they would do there, right, with, uh, with that open spot. Gus, Dante DiVincenzo is an NBA player. I can't believe I'm saying it. I love the kid. <laughs> I'm, tell- I'm saying it right now. I love that you're saying that. No I doubt. Hope- I don't want to hear that anymore. is listening to the podcast. I am not a Dante DiVincenzo guy. I've made fun, the whole thing. I'm half Italian. I said, what, what, what are point guards, Italian point guards do we know that are great? Uh, what, what are those comedians, that Italian comedian always talks about? Italians don't play basketball. He's tremendous. He is absolutely outstanding. He had 32 minutes in this game. He had 23 points, 3-9 and nine from three-point range on the road in Marquette. Played fantastic. Jalen Brunson, 31 points, nothing to talk about. Bridges was great, Gus, at the end of the game. He got a rebound. He got a steal. He got a deflection. Does all these great things to them. Marquette was in foul trouble the entire game. Only reason I know that is I may have had a, a wager on Marquette plus eight and a half. Uh, but the, the yes. foul, fouls up the yin-yang here for Marquette. But they did shoot 11 to 24 from three-point range. Rousey at 29. Howard at 13. He was in foul trouble. He sat late. But a huge win, huh, for the Wildcats on the road, 85-82. They are still 7-1 and one in conference. Okay, just two things, uh, uh, you know, quick answers from you here. Uh, one, uh, first one, of course, we, we've touched on this on the podcast previously. Uh, is this lack of depth uh, going to bite them somewhere in the Big East before the Big East tournament? Uh, you know, they need to get something from the bench. They're doing the Duke where they're not – what they do is they play tremendous defense as needed – but they right. don't play great game in game, you know, play and play out defense because they S- cannot situation. get in foul trouble. Situation: Brunson never gets in foul trouble. Whereas no. I feel the key guy for Duke is Bagley, who yeah. we've seen get in foul trouble or have issues from time to time. Brunson never gets in foul trouble, so I don't know. I- I'm not sure what's and a then, ga- go ahead. What's a game um, they could get tripped up on? I guess looking really quick here, man. Yeah, uh, really quick. Just yes or no. Home Creighton. Absolutely. All right. Home Hall. I thought they were going to lose that game. So, yes. The answer is yes. Yeah, it could cost yeah. them. Yes. Okay. okay. Good. That's it. All right. Good. So, keep an eye on these next two games for Nova if you're a Nova fan. Yep. Uh, and then I guess the second thing is, do you think Marquette is a tournament team? Oh, yes. I think they have to be. Okay. I think they have All right. to. Those, those, those are my two quick hitters off that. I just want to see where you're at. They're 13-8. and eight. They're 4-5 and five in conference. I want to see them in even if they're in the playing game. That Tuesday oh, game. I want to, I mean, awesome. uh, if they were in the playing game, that would yeah. be amazing. Pope. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. <laughs> I'm open. Another one, man, which was shocking, but taken care of business. Isaac Haas can make a legitimate claim as one of the most valuable players in the country. Archie Miller can coach his fanny off, and he did what Beeline did. He copied Beeline. He is yep. not going to let them shoot the threes. Purdue 5 of 18 from three-point range today in Indiana. It's a rivalry game, right, Gus? Isaac Haas, 26 points, five rebounds, two assists. But you know what? 
six of six from the free throw line. Purdue, 74, Indiana, 67. Indiana played their guts out. Vince Edwards did a lot of nice things in this game as well. 19.7 rebounds. Carson Edwards with 10. Huge win, rivalry game. Purdue takes care of business, 10-0 in the Big Ten. Unbelievable. You knew that uh, Indiana was going to play inspired. This was like one of the spotlight games this weekend on, on the big networks. And, of course, you mentioned the interstate rivalry. And at some point, like, at with this winning streak does take, like, a cumulative toll, right? So at some point, like, it, it, I mean, it has to it has to come to – it has to find a finish line, and you thought maybe it would be today. But I'm telling you, I, I Isaac Haas was absolutely brilliant today. I can't I believe I'm saying that. I know. His footwork was sound. <laughs> he passed out of double teams effectively, and he was unstoppable when he turned the shoulder at – he was so efficient. Man, his improvement, he could be the most improved player in the country. It really could. He's playing just like Caleb Swanigan. I can't believe I'm saying that. Not to that like high level, but in yeah. the big games, Gus, he's played just like him. He has, yeah. Re- he, he's definitely filled that role, uh, at least you know, points-wise in the, in, the, in the number column. Really quick, yes or no, home Maryland. Oh, yeah. Win. At Rutgers going to be tighter than you think win though home ohio state i don't think they're losing at home no not home Tallahassee. Not that, home. no that one might be it you think so that one might be it. there's gonna be a lot of things on the line there what about the next week at michigan state yeah there we go and <laughs> then, then we then we then we get back to then we normalize a little bit then the you know the i don't know we find the mean maybe there i don't know if that game is in purdue i'd take them i i don't know but they're, they're having a great season they're going to be a top two seed they're awesome they can win a national title there's really nothing else for me to say there clemson did not cover the three and a half against georgia tech so that's oh, what about, does that what does that tell us uh tells us there's a good weekend in the randall household anyway nice. okay <laughs> uh really quick and then we'll, we'll uh, pack it up for tonight Gus, a couple games coming up on Monday and Tuesday. Maybe give a gut instinct here. I won't hold you to this on your screen to screen or lines. Mich- okay. Michigan, of course, minus right. nine against Northwestern at home. They're home. Michigan's uh, home. I like Michigan there. Okay. I, I would lean Michigan with the points, yeah. Duke minus 14 and a half, home against Notre Dame. Get right game. I don't know. Notre Dame. Mike Bray? I, I can't make up my mind on Notre Dame. Right. I, I, I cannot. I, I love that they're putting the ball in Gibbs' hands and letting him be a decision mm-hmm. maker. Uh, I love that they're slowing it down. Um, I, no, I, I don't think Gibbon can match up inside with Carter and Bagley. Kind of the same situation I thought with, with Virginia, so maybe I'm wrong here. But uh, give me Duke in the points there. Break it down. The big one tomorrow, Kansas minus two at the Octagon of Doom. Listen, <laughs> the, the, the minus two is the perfect number. Because they're going to win this game in magician, illusionist-type fashion like they always do. Now, it, the question is, is it going to be one, two, or three points? I'm going to say give me Kansas. Give me the points. Give me Kansas straight-up win uh, with the points. I'm going to say give me Kansas by about six. You're going to win because I'm taking Kansas State, so that just takes care of that. No problem <laughs> to do. Uh, going to Tuesday, no lines, obviously. Uh, you mentioned this before, Rhode Island, not going to get tripped up at UMass, right? Still going to be undefeated after that one? I don't think so, no. I uh, think they'll continue. North Carolina, Clemson, who's in trouble and who gets right? Oh, here's what I think is going to happen. I think Joel Berry is going to go off again at okay. Clemson just like he did last year, and I think North Carolina gets a crucial road win here. 
Oh, that's very good. And the last one, this is two teams. Someone's going to get right. Someone's going to go the wrong way. They're both three and five in the Big 12, Gus. TCU at Oak State. TCU with a catastrophic loss on the road there against Vanderbilt. Just a bizarre Man. one. Uh, it, 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 like those types of losses are becoming like habit for them, like bad habit. You got Jeffrey Carroll, Oak State, and you got if he dies, he dies, Brozianski. Who do you got there? You know what? I'm still going to stay with TCU. I'm going to stay with Kendrick Williams outplaying Carroll. So give me TCU on the road. Fair enough. Gus, uh, parting words here for the folks. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to end on a positive note since we started the podcast kind of on a, a, a sour dour note. You'll never believe who I got a beer with this weekend. Oh, well, this is very exciting. This is spontaneous, and I don't know the answer. I got a beer with Bell Jar this weekend. Oh, I got a beer with KB this weekend, oh, the lead got... singer of Bell Jar, intro, who does our intro music. and outro music. Oh, folks, you got to follow Bell Jar. That's great. That's great. If, you're, if you like the intro and outro music, hit them up on iTunes. They have a, their cat, whole catalog up on iTunes. Love Bell Jar. It was so good to catch up with him. We were talking a little UConn basketball yeah, uh, yeah. because he's you know he's a, a old school Big East guy and invested in UConn. So he was a little bit down on the season, and that was before the news came out. Came out, so we weren't talking that. Thankfully, otherwise he would have been really down in the dumps. But yeah, it was it was great to catch a beer with Belgar. Gus, we that's that's fantastic. Belgar folks, follow them; they're fantastic. You can co- follow the show at SDS Podcast on Twitter. Myself at Randall Rank at C Kearns Twelve. We're gonna come back to you this week. I got a nice little surprise for you. Uh, my solo podcast. I'll have my short corner back out. Gus does the best mid major podcast in the world. And Gus, I, last thing I'll leave with this. I put a tweet out tonight before we started. If Virginia played Villanova on a neutral court, who would you take? Votes are still coming in. Right now it's 51-49, as you would expect. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Villanova, 51, Virginia, 49. And I think that sums up the weekend, doesn't it, brother? Oh, without question. Uh, listeners, again, thank you so much for tuning in. And to all our new listeners that are, are listening, we're hoping you enjoy the, the package that Mike and I are giving you. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you. We're very appreciative of you guys giving Screen a Screener a bit of your time during the week. And we hope we help uh, with a commute or a train trip or running some errands or whatever thing that we might help you uh, accomplish during the week. So uh, thanks for letting us keep you company. Belgar coming in. Follow him, folks. We'll see you. Cheers. Salacho. Gatsu Lazio. Aligato.